Sometimes it's hard to be still when everything is so crazy, isn't it? We get nervous as humans, and we get fidgety. We get fidgety in the natural sense, and we do in the spiritual sense, especially when we don't understand what's going on. And I'm so grateful to know that He is still God. Let's stand together today. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. What a privilege it is for us to be gathered together today. Let's turn to the book of Acts, if you would, chapter 26, verse 13. Acts 26, 13. We know that um, the scripture that we're going to read today is Paul's account of his conversion to Agrippa, and um, he, he brings in some points that he had um, never related before, and we find that it's um, during some of those times that people who really pick, they like to pick such accounts. So they like to, if a man tells an account here and then he tells it a few years later, they expect every I, every to be T to be crossed, every I to be dotted the same way and all that. But we know that sometimes God will allow a further um, revealing of an experience. It's for a reason when he does that. This is one of those instances in the Bible, the book of Acts. Many infidels like to use this, agnostics and anti-God type people, to refute the scripture. But I'm so glad my faith is not on what I can prove intellectually or scientifically. I'm glad I have an absolute in my soul, which is my birth. Now listen, precious, precious reading in the Word. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them, which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. Oh, my goodness. I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And yet, in the flesh, Paul had never even seen Jesus. But he was persecuting Jesus. When you persecute his people, you are persecuting Jesus. But rise... And stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose to make thee a minister and a witness. Both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. So present and future revelation. Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom thou I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them. You think a God called minister does not have a responsibility? 
that God would tell a man this, that you were called to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Now watch he moves from the experience then back to the king. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. How many would like to be remembered today as we go before the Lord? I'd like for you to remember Brother Barney Short and his wife still leading, of course, with the loss of their son. Others here in our assembly today are still trying to make the transition from someone been taken for, from their life. Some is just a few weeks old. Some it's a few months old. But we want to remember all of those, not only in our assembly, of course, but around the world. I heard of another one yesterday, another one today. One by one, the Lord is calling them across the river. We want to be ready, don't we, when that hour comes. So let's pray for them as well, if you would. Lord Jesus, we love you so much today. We thank you, Father, that we've been granted this opportunity that we could assemble here in this building today. We have been called out of our homes. And this is what the word church means, ecclesia of God, a people called out of their homes into a public place. We're gathered here that we could worship and sing and pray and testify just, Lord, adore you and love you. But also, Father, we've come that we might be ministered to today by our bridegroom. Our needs, as you know already, are so great. And it seems like every week that goes by, they become greater and greater. And our needs for you are greater. But, Lord Jesus, we're so grateful that we're serving a mighty God today, an everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, so, Father, we bring our needs before you. We pray, Father God, for those that have lost loved ones, as we say, lost. You know what I mean when I say that? We know when, they're, when we know where they are, they're not actually lost, but just away from our presence. We're asking that you would help those, Father, that are still dealing with the sadness and the brokenheartedness of a loved one departing the world. Jesus, I pray that you would help them to find the rest of the focus of their life. And Lord, I know it must be so difficult. But we believe that when you were here, you allowed yourself the feelings of the depth of a friend passing. And as you stood at the grave of Lazarus that day, you wept. And you allowed yourself to enter into that feeling, knowing thousands times thousands millions of your children would see a loved one pass so you wanted to understand how they would feel. We call upon your great merciful name and your position as high priest to minister to those today. Father, we ask for those that are sick, those that are suffering, those that are dealing with spiritual needs, maybe financial troubles, maybe domestic problems, Satan trying to come between a man and his wife, a wife and her husband, uh, 
Whatever it is today, Father, would you just meet the needs of your children? In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. I want to speak to you again today on the absolute. How many believes we need an absolute? As I said last Sunday, all of us actually already have one. But hopefully today, if you have the wrong one, you'll be able to make a change as we are talking about it. When Brother Branham uh, preached this, he preached it the first time, of course, in Jeffersonville, and he talks about hearing another man speak about along these lines, and he wrote it down. Now, I know that offends some of the message folks because they feel like that everything that, that Brother Branham preached, he got it directly from God. But yet he tells us that he got several sermons from Brother Neville. Every time that he would go hear Brother Neville preach, he would write down more and more sermons. And he said he would write down sermon titles from other preachers. And I appreciate a man like that, don't you, that can be able to express it. But whenever he preaches it the first time in Jeffersonville, and he had heard whoever this man was, he didn't mention who he was, but he heard this man mention it, and it done something to him. And like us, I'm sure that Brother Branham had heard the word absolute and absolutely used a big portion of his life, and would more than likely know what it would mean from an, an everyday use of the word, but something must have prodded his heart to where that he wanted to look and see what Webster would say about the meaning of this word. Now, myself, whenever the prophet does this, I think that it has a value. It has something that we should really look at. And I, I believe myself, if we would look at the meaning of this word, this meaning which he himself punctuated by using it, that it would help us to eliminate a lot of absolutes that are in our life that should not be there. And hopefully it'll help you today that if you have just an intellectual absolute, and you are believing that you are in a certain place in Christ Jesus, and you're basing that upon an intellectual conception, and that is your absolute, that it'll help you to see that won't keep you in these times. Now, it's much easier for us to be able to have an intellectual absolute than it is the type of absolute that Paul had. Now, Paul was a great scholar. He was a man that had studied under one of the great men of the day, Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee, not only a Pharisee, but a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a strict man. He was a very legalistic man, a man that could punctuate the law, a man that studied to keep the law. Now, he was unlike some of the other priests and high priests of his day. He did not just talk about it and think about it and rehearse it, 
but this man applied the law to his life every day. And he lived, as far as living it, he lived what he believed was the truth. He was not a hypocrite. He was a genuine Pharisee. He was a genuine law-abiding Jew, but he was not born again. And because of that, he had a great, zealous attitude, and he was affected by this zealous attitude that he had toward the Word of God. And Paul must meet something now that is going to change him. Now, with that in mind, let me read this to you in paragraph 38. Brother Random uses it, uh, whatever he explains this, and the one in Jeffersonville. But I wanted to use the one in Phoenix. An absolute now, as I was looking in the dictionary to find out, when I was looking at the word identified, I come into this word absolute. And the absolute, according to Webster's dictionary, is it says it's perfect in itself. Perfect in itself, unlimited in power, primarily an absolute. So now think of whatever you may believe today are the absolutes in your life. And give those absolute this three-step test to make sure that those absolutes in your life are perfect in itself. Now that being said, that means that it needs no exterior force, no exterior additive to make it perfect and complete. But it is absolutely perfect in itself. It is also ultimate in power, which leaves out all of our mamas, all of our daddies, all of our grandpas. It leaves out all the preachers in the world. It leaves out every church in the world. It leaves out all the offices of the government. It leaves out just about everything we know of in life. Praise the Lord. So let's today, let's try to narrow it down to see what it is. Oh, you say, well, my feelings, it narrows them out as well. Well, I've always believed it knocks all that out too because it is not perfect. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm gonna say. Within the application of these three aspects of what an absolute is, a pastor then cannot meet the criterion of this absolute. And yet, a pastor sometimes has to be an absolute, but not this one. Now listen, sometimes it will come down to where a decision will be need to be made about, a, about the church, and the church is gonna do this or that or the other. And we'd have a committee meeting, and we'd have a vote on it or whatever more, and people would say this, and some would say that. Well, sometimes it comes down to where I have to make the decision. Now, it does not mean that I am perfect in my decisions. You can go ahead and say amen to that. Don't bother me. Because you're not perfect in yours either. And it does not mean that I am unlimited in power. And it does not mean that I am primarily an absolute. 
But it does mean that the decision had to be made and because of my position, then I had to make the decision. It's the same with every husband here today. That maybe you and your wife are trying to decide on something and you, you cannot come to an agreement and being the head of the house and it falls the responsibility of the man to make the decision. It does not mean that every man is perfect in his decisions. If your wives, you women are afraid to say men, you can match your eyes real fast. Uh, it does not mean that the husband is perfect in himself or that he is unlimited in power or primarily an absolute. But it does mean that the buck stops with him, as we would say. And it's the same with, say, an umpire in a ball game. Now, when Brother Branham preached this the first time in Jeffersonville in the month of December, the end of the month of 1962, when Brother Branham preaches it, he goes down through there and he talks about the different uh, absolutes and he, he refers to this and he said, now, there's an absolute in the ball game. And he said, it's the empire. Now, he goes ahead and preaches the whole sermon and he calls it empire. Now, I know there's some folks that want to make every word perfect that shows what an idiot you absolutely are. Let the man be a human being like all the rest of us. Now, when he comes back that night and he gets up and he said, well, you know, his wife told him after service what he had said and he mispronounced the word and all that and he preached the rest of the sermon, saying the wrong word. That night he comes in and he, he goes to correct what he had said in that morning and he said, well, I think they've heard me preach enough. They ought to know me by now. So he said, now I said it wrong this morning. And he said, I want to say it's not empire, but it's umpire. And he said, oh no, Billy Paul saying, here he goes again. I appreciate a man like that, don't you? But now notice if we will take these three traits, it will help us to see that even a prophet a prophet or an apostle or a pastor or an evangelist or a teacher cannot be this absolute by himself. Because notice this, perfect in itself. There never was a prophet that was perfect in himself. There never was a pastor that was perfect in himself. Well, come on now, don't get quiet. But whatever the absolute is, is perfect in itself. Now, when a prophet receives, thus saith the Lord, or a vision from the Lord, which is simply a rhema word for God, from God, in the form of a vision, that is perfect. That's why Brother Bram could say, if God showed him a vision of raising George Washington from the dead, he would call the world and he would go right there to the, to the cemetery where he was and he would get a chair and say, get a chair so he can sit down and rest. He's tired. And he would call the world to come and see. Why? Because that vision in the realm of the fourth dimension became an absolute to the prophet. But notice, but the prophet himself was not unlimited in power. The prophet himself was not perfect within himself, so the vision came from the heavenly realm, then it was not the prophet himself that was the absolute, but it was actually the vision that became his absolute. 
Now remember when the woman came to the prophet in the Old Testament and her son has died and you know he asked her, all well, yes, all well with thee, yes, all well with thy child, yes, all well with thy husband, yes, all is well. Well, Brother Ram tells us that she came to her absolute. But when she came to her absolute, her absolute didn't have the answer. Now he said, I know the woman's got a need, but I don't know what it is because God has kept it from me. So think now that the woman come to her absolute, but her absolute was not this same absolute because this one is perfect in itself. So perfection comes by the generation of the attributes from within the absolute. So a prophet, when he has thus saith the Lord, or a vision, a rhema word from God, then that becomes the absolute to the individuals. Now you know time and time again, whenever those people would come through the prayer line and they would have various needs of their body, tell them you went to a doctor, he wore glasses, heavy set man, uh, don't you live on 2233, whatever the address was and all of that, then if they would receive that, they believed that was a word from God, not a word from William, Mary, and Branham then that became their absolute. Now, many times I've found in the message that people become so divided in our own ranks of what the absolute actually is. And people say, well, the tapes are my absolute. Now, well, the books are my absolute. Then others say, well, the Bible's my absolute. And I can agree to a degree with all of that being said. But also know that within the individual, that there must be an, an absolute that is not something just on the outside. Now, it's much easier to make the tapes your absolute than it is a word burst. Because anybody can pick up a book or a tape. Brother Ram said it himself. The people say, Brother Branham, I believe every word you said. He said, that's just being able to read. So then that shows you a person could make Brother Branham their absolute and they would believe every word that he said and still not have this absolute that Paul had. Now what Paul had was a Christ-centered life. It was actually the miracle of the new birth. Now the miracle of the new birth cannot happen to everybody because only seed can be reborn. Now people can be saved and people can be forgiven and people can be healed and people can uh, be even be accepted at the white throne judgment that will never born again, but only the elect of God can experience the new birth. Praise the Lord. Why? Because it is that they have received a deposit from the mind of God, which was their part of the Godhead, which was in him before the foundation of the world. Then when they receive that in seed form when they come to the earth, it may lay there dormant for years, for decades, for a long, long time. But one time there will come a time to when that great eagle will fly over and it will quicken that seed like it did here in Paul. Then they receive the absolute inside their soul. 
Then from their soul becomes this generation of the new birth, which generates light. It generates the power of God. It generates a holy walk with God. So it's not something from without that they are taking to make them a better person. And they've got all the self-help books, self-help, how to become justified, uh, sanctification for dummies, Holy Ghost for dummies, how to walk a godly life for dummies. No, but whenever we get a new birth, it's not just from the books on the outside we read, but it's from the generation of the power of God on the inside. Remember the Lord Jesus told Simon Peter, when you are regenerated, whenever you become converted, strengthen your brethren. Now remember the word regenerate, which was used later by Peter. If you'll notice this word, it's R-E-G-E-N-E-R-A-T-E, regenerate. You cannot regenerate something that has not been of a generation before. So it is a regeneration of the seed that God placed inside of us. Now then whenever God gives us that absolute, what is that absolute? It's perfect within itself. You say, how can you say that? Because it comes from the Godhead. It comes from the great amorphe of God. Now remember God as we know him. What is God? The prophet described it this way. God is a great eternal. So in the eternal was attributes, some that would be reflected in time, some that would be reflected in eternity. Some of those things in time will never merge once the loop pulls back up into eternity. Many of those things that he expressed himself in, in time will never be visible in eternity. They are not necessary. But for each of those today that have received that portion of the seed of God, it gives us an illumination and helps us to live a life we could not live. It helps us to do things that we could not do because it is not us anyway. It is us turning over our human temple to a power that is greater than us. We cannot live this life. You cannot live this word. I cannot live this word. And God knew that. And God was not asking us to in the first place, but he simply wants us to get out of the way and let the life of his life become into our life and it will quicken us to be what he wants us to be. Then that becomes your absolute for yourself. Well, Brother Donnie, isn't the Bible your absolute? It is. Well, Brother Donnie, what about the message? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. But remember, in the message are things just like I quoted to you, where Brother Branham used the word empire instead of umpire, and Brother Branham would quote the wrong dates and say the wrong scriptures and so on. Why? Because he was a man. Now, come on, don't get quiet on the church. And people then that want to take every word of the message and make that their absolute, well, if you do that, you're going to have the prophet of God saying back in the early 40s that the Holy Ghost was the third person of the Godhead. Well, come on, you have Brother Branham preaching it for years and years and using the white horse rider, taking his text and using the white horse rider as the Holy Ghost conquering down through the church ages until he preached the seals and then the mystery broke and he realized the white horse rider was not the Holy Ghost at all. It was the Antichrist. 
Can you imagine how he felt when he was going to go to the pulpit that night and preach the seals the same way that he had preached it before? But what was it? Now was a time of illumination. Oh my. So I guess you think, Brother Donnie, you're called to show us all that. I'm not called to do it at all. No. There's no man that's called to be your absolute. Your absolute, your absolute must begin within your soul, not on a tape or not in a book. Well, come on now. Oh, but I can quote all the Bible. That's good. That don't mean you're born again yet. Come on, saints. Many people never listen to a tape of Brother Random. They'll never read a book. And to them, they would say absolutely their absolute is the Bible. But yet, when you really pin them down, start with Acts 2.38, Acts 8.16, different scriptures in the Bible, you'll find out their absolute really is not the Bible. But their absolute was an intellectual conception that they think they believe the Bible is their absolute. And where is it? It is an intellectual absolute and that will never rapture the bride. So the absolute must begin not from a page or a book or a tape or a Bible or a preacher or going to this church or that church, but it must be a one-on-one experience with Almighty God. How is it that the Bible can be the absolute of the Baptists and the absolute of the, of the Catholics and the Church of God and the Presbyterian and the Oneness and all of them have every one of them a different denominational conception of the word and yet all of them would try to base their conception upon what? The pages of the Bible. Well, how can the tapes and the message of the hour supposedly be everybody that's in the message that are absolute and we got, we got my, all these different ideas, we got return ministry, we got got tape only, we got preachers preaching this, preachers preaching that, and every one of them saying that that's their absolute. I'll tell you the main problem is this. Many of them are missing the absolute that should have started in their soul instead of started the day they listened to tapes. They started listening to tapes and they began to embrace the doctrines of the message and they said, well, hallelujah, that's my absolute. That's all well and good if you've got one in the soul first. But if not, the devil will get you in time. The battles will become too hard. The tests will be, oh, I wish somebody would preach with me this morning. The tests will become so difficult, but if you have got an absolute in your soul, even when you're going through something and you cannot find a scripture that'll reach down and pull you out, or you can't find a quote that identifies what you're going through, you've still got an absolute down inside your soul, then you can say, maybe not to Agrippa, as Paul did, but you say it to your wife, to your children, to your boss, whoever more, I have met him, I know him in whom I have believed, I was not disobedient to my heavenly call either. I was called to serve the Lord God. Come on, Happy Valley. We were called to reflect a new birth. We have been called to stand in the most wicked, dark, sinful age that's ever been on the earth. Brother Donnie, are you turning back? Are you kidding me? I'm closer to home than I've ever been in all my life. I ain't going back. I'm going on. I ain't compromising. I'm going on. Why? Because I've got my finger on a quote. Because I've got a seat in my soul and that is the beginning of my absolute. Right. 
Can't you see why we cannot base it upon tongues? Tongues are not perfect in themselves. Now, we believe in speaking in tongues. For those of you who have spoken tongues, which tongue was it? Of men or of angels? Most of us don't even know, do we? So is your tongue identified as an earthly language or a heavenly language? Well, if it's perfect in itself, why do tongues have to be interpreted before the church? Now, if tongues are perfect within themselves and have all the answers, then I should be able to stand up here today and preach in tongues. But you see, speaking in tongues is not perfect in itself. So if there is no interpreter, then let the person who speaks in tongues hold their peace. Why? Because tongues are not perfect or complete in themselves before the audience without an interpreter. Well, praise the Lord. Well, I feel it all over me, but that's not your absolute either. Oh, but I'm going to God. I tell you, that anointing comes all over me, and the anointing is wonderful. But there'll be times you will not feel God. There'll be times it'll seem like God is a million miles away. Come on. So how can we have then an absolute that'll anchor so deep that will tie us to that? Now, no doubt Paul must have had tremendous emotional feelings while this is going on. It must have been a rush of faith, a rush of urgency, a rush of fear. I, I just can't imagine all that the man must have felt, a light that is so bright that it was brighter than the noonday sun. A voice that was so loud, that so permeated his being, and he heard it also audibly on the outside. It must have been totally overwhelming. He must have had chills and bumps and his hair standing up on the back of his neck and all that sort of thing. But he doesn't mention one word of it. Because his absolute was not the emotions that the new birth caused, but it was the new birth itself that Paul made his absolute. Oh friend, I, I pray God helps us today. I, re I realize that for many that have turned and walked away from the word in this hour, it's very evident that all of those could not have had an absolute of a new birth. How could some of the ones that used to sit in a message church and hear the word preach and then go back to a Methodist church, a Baptist church, and not only leave the teachings of the message, but leave the teachings of the Bible, and many of them now have been rebaptized back into the titles of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Some of them don't even believe in God no more. Oh, one of the big leaders of that move that has tried to come against us in the message is going to a church where they cross-dress on Sunday morning. So you can imagine you're leaving a church where they're dressing the bride and you leave there and go among cross-dressers. Men dressing like women, women dressing like men. Well, come on, don't get quiet on me already. Why? Because they missed an absolute of a new birth. 
and they traded the doctrines of whatever they were before to accept the doctrines of the message. And when they begin to look into the message and find the human side of Brother Branham, it devastated all of them. I'm so grateful the Lord had me to deal with that for your sake years and years ago. So we would be able to see that this man was truly a man, but he was a man sent from God with a message. But that does not take away, oh my, that does not take away the message, nor does it take away that he was a human being. Aren't you glad you've got revelation to be able to sit here today and look at it and say, thank God I can embrace this message as a message sent from God, but it was delivered through a human being that was just like me, just like you, that misquoted scriptures and misquoted dates and all that, not trying to be a deceiver, just being a human being like all the rest of us. Hallelujah. Notice this again, and let me read these three things to you. Webster's Dictionary says, it's perfect in itself, unlimited in power, primarily an absolute. Now for those who have had a walk with God and backslid from it, and there's probably very few sitting here today that in reality could not point to times in your life that you've backslid. And you've slid back from a place to where you were with God at one time. Whatever it was, it came in and started dealing with your walk. And it began to erode your walk and, and begin to pull you into other realms that you should not walk. And yet, that doesn't mean that you're not seed of God. It does not mean that you don't love the Lord with all of your heart. But something began to overwhelm you and your absolute, whatever it was at the time, we know that a person being filled with the Holy Ghost can actually do things wrong that'll grieve the Spirit of God, or Paul would have never said it that way, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. But yet we know that the Spirit of God will keep us from doing certain things. It will not allow you to do certain things. And as the believers of this word in the end time, I think it's time that we need to reevaluate and look at where we are as individuals with God, as also believers in our church and in our family to make sure, oh, I hear the rumbling coming in the future. I hear the difficulty. I hear the horsemen. And if we have become weary, but just those, the footmen have wearied us, what will it be when the horsemen come? The riders of the apocalypse are thundering toward us, my friends. The wheels of prophecy are coming and the powers of hell are being loosed in every direction and streaming forth against the bride. And remember, it must be this way in order to prove to Satan she's not like Eve was. Even the Garden of Eden could not live right in a perfect setting, in a perfect paradise. And yet here God has his second Eve predestinated to eternal life, but yet she's not like the first Eve was. She will not commit adultery against the word. She will not leave the word. She will not forsake her husband. And how in the world can any human being around the world ever keep such a commission as that? That we will never 
leave him. We will never turn away. It's not by our ability. It's not by power. It's not by might. It's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Oh, Brother Donnie, I made up my mind. You can't do it in yourself. I can't do it in myself. No preacher can do it in his self. Brother Branham could not do it in his self. There must be an absolute that is perfect in itself. And when that perfection comes in your soul, when temptation gets so hard that you think you'll never stand it, when the trials of this life become so difficult, oh, if Brother Donnie would just call me, if so-and-so would do this, that's well and good, and I'll do that. But yet, you need something beyond a phone call from me. You need something beyond a phone call from Brother Darrell. You need something beyond a word from Brother West or some of these other minister brothers. You're gonna have to have an absolute in your soul that is perfect in itself, that is greater than sin. It is greater than temptation. It is greater than the evil and the darkness of this world. It is greater than everything Satan can muster together. I'll tell you one thing, I'd hate to live in this world knowing what little bit I'm able to read and understand about politics and the scope of the entire world. I'd hate to get up in the morning without knowing what I know about the sovereignty of God. It's a scary time to be living, friends. Notice this and what the Christian needs today in this atomic age and this time of uncertainty. You need something besides just an experience of joining church. You need an anchor, an absolute, oh my, that you know because churches will fail and people will fail, but Christ cannot fail. He's, he's the absolute to the believer. And if Christ is your absolute, you're tied to him. And if he is your absolute, my, you're tied to him, then you are tied to the word. Notice the order first. You're tied to Christ. And if Christ is your absolute, you're tied to the word. So watch, watch our enemy, how cunning. So here's Christ and here's the word. So what he wants to do is bypass Christ's new birth, genuine born-again experience, and come over and tie to the scripture. And tie to the quotes, and tie to the tapes, and my pastor said this, and brother so-and-so said that, and brother Darrell said this, and brother Joel said that, and brother West said this, all that's well and good, but if you're not coming the divine way of protocol, you're missing the most important thing of your life. A tie post to you, and God. It actually ties your soul to the eternal by a new birth. Notice this, oh my. And if he's your absolute, you're tied then to the word. Now this tells whether we've got the right absolute or not. Oh my. So this tells whether we've got the right absolute. So you mean a person can make Brother Branham their absolute. The tapes, the message, oh my, they'll fight you over that. Bless God, the tapes are my absolute. The prophet of God is my absolute. Well, that's well and good as long as you didn't bypass this one. 
But you see, if you went around this one to come over here, oh, the absolute, amen, the types of the absolute, oh, the types, the types, the types, the Christ, the Christ, a new birth, a Damascus Road experience. Now watch him, we'll tell what your absolute is. If you can read in that scripture something that Christ has ordained or commissioned us to do, and because of some twisting around, if someone would tell you that was for the disciples or someone else. Okay, now let's be real careful. So we read in the Bible that he's the same yesterday and forever. But yet somebody said, no, 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 no. He, he's not the same. He's not the same. Well, there's something wrong with your absolute. What if we read in the Bible that he sent apostles, plural, prophets, plural, pastors, plural, evangelists, plural, teachers, plural, and then someone twists it around and say, all five of them was fulfilled in Brother Branham, and there's no need for them anymore. There's something wrong with their absolute. Now, this is the deceiving part because they say their absolute is the prophet or the very message he preached. How could a prophet of God preach something contrary written in the scripture? He didn't. So there's something wrong with their absolute. Well, Brother Donnie, does that mean there's something wrong with the message? Nope. Does that mean there's something wrong with the tapes? No. It's their hybridized concept of what they think the tapes say or what they wish they said. Oh, my. Notice this, then. If that was for the disciples or something else, then you don't hold on to that. Then Christ is not your absolute. We don't need pastors, teachers. We don't need gifts no more. Christ is not your absolute when you say that. That person who led you out of the way is your absolute. And that person is flawed, imperfect, at best, a sinner that was saved by the grace of God. They're they're not unlimited in power. They're not perfect in themselves. And you traded perfection for that? Why would we trade a new birth, a genuine baptism of the Holy Ghost, which will tie us to Almighty God, and then when we see something in the Word, we will puncture that, punctuate that with an amen, whether or not we understand it. Friends, I run across things all the time that the prophet said, I don't understand them a bit more than you do. But that ain't nothing new. I read all kinds of things in Isaiah. I don't understand either. I read things in Hosea. I don't understand either. I read things in Amos. I don't understand. But I say, amen. Amen anyhow. There's things about the will of God I don't understand, but I know my father well enough to know he makes no mistakes. Oh, then Christ is not your absolute, but that person who led you out of the way is the absolute. But if that word Christ still holds, 
See, then he, notice how he's making this, that the absolute from the soul is a person, not a book, not a tape. The person. Oh, young people, don't settle for an intellectual conception of the message. Imagine it must have been gradual and slow. As it began to infiltrate his mind and his thinking initially. That he looked at this man and he saw what a man. What a man of God. I'm referencing Demas. And he began to see things about Paul that he couldn't understand. They begin to question this. How come this man that could speak to the cripple and they would leap and walk, cast a devil out of a fortune teller, and let yet left one of his associate preachers up there in the city sick? And he's so poor that he only has one coat. And he told Timothy, when you come down, it's getting cold up here, would you bring my coat? It's really getting cold. You imagine Demas as he began to process this to his filter, which was up here and not here. He began to question how come he would do that? Why? He's backslid. There's something going on in Paul's life. Why he's got so low in face, he's carrying a doctor around with him everywhere he goes. Dr. Luke. Oh, he says it's for the ministry's sake, but no doubt it's a weakness in his faith. I've personally seen Luke give him herbs and give him this and that and the other and treat him. And before long, Demas come to a spot, he thought, I, I can't follow a guy like this. So he put himself up a website. Isn't it amazing all these folks that have left the message and start the websites, they're not trying to deliver Catholics. They're trying to deliver you. I don't need none of their deliverance. I said, I don't need none of their deliverance. Because you see, their deliverance allows you now to drink five beers a day as long as you don't drink over five, number of grace. I don't want that. That ain't deliverance. That's hell. Deliverance. Oh, we need to get them away from that message. Why? It keeps us right. It keeps us clean. It keeps us consecrated before the presence of God. I don't need deliverance from truth. I just need more truth. And little by little, Demas gets to a spot. He said, Paul, I, I'm not going to meet you over at the meeting. What's going on, Demas? Everything okay? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, fine, fine, fine. But his intellectual face was beginning to crumble. He could no longer believe this man. God would use one man to bring all these mysteries. What about Peter? What about James? What about John? What about all the rest of those men? God is going to use one man. He's always used one man. And then Paul had to write him about him and said, Demas has forsaken me. 
Remember Aaron Baxter when he talked about Brother Bram? He said, Brother Bram, you know, one of the first things I'm going to do when I get to heaven, he said, no, what, Aaron? He said, I'm going to walk right up and smack Demas right in the face. He said, why? He said, I'm going to say, why did you leave poor little Paul down there? He said, Aaron, if I was you, I'd be careful about wanting to smack him in the, fl- in the face. I'm not sure I'd want to be where he is, maybe. You imagine when Demas walks before the Lord Jesus. He didn't backslide. He didn't go to the well. He kept on preaching. Why I left Paul. That was the title of his website. Why I left Paul. I saw this and I saw that and I saw something else and one day, oh my, he must have served the Lord supposedly. Come right down to crossing of the river. Oh, hallelujah, here I come, Lord Jesus. When he stands before the Lord God that day, and there will set the Lord Jesus on the throne, and Paul will walk right out and look Demas in the eye. Why did you forsake me? Why? Demas had no absolute in the soul. I know this is peculiar, friends, but this is what the Lord put on my heart to preach this morning. I'm going to preach it. Notice he said, but if you take the real, absolute Christ, anchor yourself in that. Don't make any difference what comes or goes. You're still anchored. If Christ is your absolute, you are tied to him. In time of trouble, the ship, let it rock. It'll break against the rocks, but what do they do? They drop the anchor. And the anchor drags until it snags into the rock foundation, and the ship is tied to the anchor. It's the absolute for the ship. And a born-again Christian is tied to Christ, and the Bible is the anchor. Notice this in Victor Day, it seems like to Christian life, if the fella is not absolutely centered on Christ. The Christian life seems like it holds so many disappointments. Anybody besides me say, amen to that. And they are God's divine will happening for us. How can we comprehend that with the mental conception? God's divine will to take a son away from a mother and father, take a baby, a six-month-old baby, a husband or a wife, just face facts. There's part of it we'll never understand on this side of the veil, but we have to trust him and know that he does not make mistakes. I've said it before and I'll say it again right back on these nurseries, windows right here. You wish to turn back and look at them, you can. Right on those mirrors is a mirror-like tent. Whoever's sitting there in those nurseries this morning can see me, but I can't see them. They may be changing their baby. They may be swatting them a good. They may be feeding them. They may be, who knows what they're doing. They can see me, but I can't see them. I would press my face against it and try to look and comprehend, but it all has to do with the lumens of the light. 
the way the light is on this side versus the light on that side. And Paul said that we're looking into a glass darkly. This is where we've been, friends. This one passed, that one passed, that one. We're trying to figure it out. How can that be the will of God? We ain't never gonna figure it out. Only thing we can do is say, Lord, we'll understand it better by and by. I trust you. I know you don't make no mistakes when the thing makes no sense to me. When it makes no sense to you as sons and daughters of God, aren't you glad sitting here today that you have had an experience on your road to Damascus that when you don't understand it and Satan say, yeah, come on now. Where's your good God? He loves you so much that you can hit him right across the face as it were and say get out of here Satan I've got an absolute in my soul it is my new birth I am tied to Jesus Christ did you find a quote no did you find a scripture no but I found him and he found me and I am tied in the midst of trouble I'm tied in the midst of disappointment The prophet says he harnesses trouble and puts bits in its mouth. Puts bits in its mouth to lead us closer. We ask for peace and he sends us trouble. We ask for comfort and he gives us tribulation. (laughs) How can anybody in their right mind try to understand that? That's why it pays to be a little bit crazy. A little bit senile as far as the world is concerned. You see, our father of the faith, Abraham, the prophet said Abraham, an absolute coming down from Babylon, from the tower, and out of the Shinar, out of where he was sojourning with his father, and perhaps a farmer, but one day, way back in the jungle somewhere, maybe picking berries, or going to kill a beast for his meat, and somewhere back there, God, spoke to him when he was 75 years old. Now remember, he did not have a Bible. He did not have 1,100 sermons. He didn't have a pastor, an associate pastor, a trustee board, a deacon board. He did not have a church to attend. He did not have a message app on his phone. He did not have a Bible on his phone, but he had an experience with God. And it became his absolute. He got weaker and weaker, and Sarah got weaker and weaker, but why did he hold on? The absolute was so secure. If a man like this without the Holy Ghost could have an absolute like that, what about those of us that are born of the Spirit of God? Oh my. His wife, Sarah, being 65 years old and childless, they didn't have any children. Then God told him, you're gonna have a child by Sarah. But in order to do this, you've got to separate yourself. He had an absolute. There was nothing going to move him. The first month, it didn't happen. His absolute hell, because he knowed he had talked to God. Second month, second year, 10 year, 25 years later, when he was 100 and Sarah was 90, his absolute still held. Why? It was something within him, not something exterior. Oh, no wonder that God wants us to feed upon his word, not just to memorization, but it becomes a part of who we are. 
My friend, what if, if, if all, all, the only way you overcome is when you've got your Bible in your hand or you've got a message book in your hand. Oh, glory to God, I got my phone. So what if you get out one day and you forget your phone? You need this word so embedded in you as a part of your being when you ain't got no app in sight, no tape in sight, no Bible in sight, you stand your ground. The Lord Jesus never opened up the Bible and defeated Satan. What did he base it on? His absolute, where he met God at the river. <laughs> and the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Glory be to God. What is your absolute? Why are you serving God today? Why did you come to church this morning? You say you believe this message on what basis? Why do you believe it? You believe there's a God, why? Oh, well, 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 well I've seen him do a lot of things. Well, I've seen him do this and that. That's good, I have too. But that's not why I serve him. I met him. I met him. There's times I pray for people and I watch him instantaneously. I know it's hard for you to believe. It's hard for me to believe too. But I have seen him by taking these old scarred up human hands perform miracles as I would lay these human mortal hands on the heads of people. And there's other times I pray and pray and pray for the same person. Eight years, 10 years, 12 years, 14 years and see not one thing happen. So if I'm going to base my absolute just on your testimony, ooh. But you know what? If I pray for 100 today and all 100 of them die, God forbid, boy, there won't be nobody getting prayed for today, will they? I just took care of myself after that service, didn't I? Guess what? I'll be praying for them next week if anybody wants to get prayed for. That changes nothing. Why? I've got an absolute. Where? Where? Oh, Brother John. Oh, it's because you memorized the word. Oh, yeah, I've got, still got a good memory. Thank the Lord for that. But it ain't going to be too many more years. I'll get up and I'll say, the prophet said. Right, right. Uh, hey, sing something for us. <laughs> My memory will be like all others. It'll get to where I can't remember. I've always had a good memory. Photostatic, actually. When I used to read Brother Ram's books in my format of studying, I knew exactly what part of the page it was on. Whether the middle, the top, or the bottom. Whether I had highlighted it in yellow, pink, orange, or green. And whether or not I had underlined it. When I get ready to quote it in my mind, it's like I'm reading it right off the page. That's wow, ain't it? But eventually, it'll wow out. If that's my absolute and that's yours, when I get to that place, what are you all going to do? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But if our absolute is Christ, and it leads us to the word but we don't bypass him and Satan try to twist him out of our life and we become intellectual message followers. We need more than that. We need Jesus. 
Let me go just a few more minutes. Let's take Moses, the runaway servant prophet that God had raised him up and educated him in Pharaoh's palace. Moses went out with his theological training. The first man he slew, and that was the first little defect come along. Moses was scared to death. And Moses was a prophet when he was born. Gifts and calling of God without repentance. He was a prophet in the court of Pharaoh just as much as he was in the court of God. But he was doing it based upon what his mother had told him. Moses, you are God's deliverer. So she sowed that intellectual seed in his heart. I'm the man. I'm the man. I'm God's deliverer. Lord of God, where, where is that devil? Man, I'll tell you one thing. So he goes out there and sees an Egyptian and he's beating the back of a slave. He said, I'll not tolerate this. I'm God's deliverer. What's he doing? Taking the word without it being quickened, no absolute in the soul. The first little defect come along, then Moses was scared to death. Why? Read it. He had no absolute. But he had the teaching of his mother. Sunday school, they'd say. Mama taught him day in and day out, day in and out. Remember, Pharaoh's daughter hired her, and he was able to have a godly mother that raised him and taught him, and she sowed that seed in his heart. But that was not his absolute. He had only Homa, no absolute. He only had his mother's testimony of his birth. He was a strange child. He had his mother's word about it. Now Moses knew that this was the time and he knew that he was chosen for it. But he didn't have an absolute. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Ain't God's word enough? The time is right. The season is right. He's the right man. But he didn't have an absolute within himself. He didn't have an absolute. And one day on the backside of the desert, when he lost the vision, God appeared to him in a burning bush and said, Moses, I have seen the afflictions of my people. I have heard their groans and the crying of their taskmasters punishing them. And I have remembered my promise. Oh, my. Paragraph 7 here, he said, Moses was tied to his absolute, his commission. And he stood still. And I was telling my stand before Pharaoh. And when he did, his serpent swallowed up the rest of the serpents. He was tied to that absolute. Now he had an absolute within himself, not just quotes from mama. Let's bow our heads. Oh, friends, those of you present, those of you that are streaming today, please make sure that you have an absolute in your soul. To believe the quotes, to believe the scripture, it's wonderful. But you don't want just an intellectual faith. Mama telling you as a child, then Sunday school teachers telling you, and then me telling you, and for some of you, Brother Darrell was your youth leader, so as a young person, Brother Darrell spent time with you, had meetings with you. 
How many of you have outgrown that? Brother West is the youth leader. Brother West laboring to bring the word to you, spend time with you to help you and text you. And as much effort as we appreciate all that, but until you get that absolute in your soul, until you have the absolute, that's when you can stand your ground. The prophet says it this way. Paul had one too, the one that we're reading about. He had a Christ-centered call. That was his absolute. The bottom part of that paragraph, he says, any Christ-centered life, that's your absolute. Christ-centered life. Oh, my. This is what we need, an experience of meeting God on the Damascus Road. But Brother Donnie, I've been a believer for years and years. What do I need to do? Tell me, it's so hard. Really, friends, it's not. It's us simply letting go and letting God move what we have in our heads into our souls. Moving into our souls. Simply going out of one gate into another. Yeah, five gates on the outside. See, taste, feel, smell, hear. Five more gates in your spirit, imagination, conscience, memory, reason, and affection. And you've got one last gate in the soul, self-will. You turn those other ten gates to the Lord. You lay aside your absolute call mama, your absolute call feelings, your absolute call this or that or the other. And you say, I want that one absolute that is perfect in itself, unlimited in power, primarily an absolute. This is what's going to take us in the rapture. Praise God. This is why the prophet could tell us in the seal book that if there ain't but one going out of Jeffersonville, you are that one. Well, that's the way God wants it to be with you today, saints, at Happy Valley. If there ain't but one going, you know that one is you. Oh, no, you said that one going, it's you, Brother Donnie. Well, I appreciate that. But you've got to know that that one is you. And you're not making me a devil, but you may be saying, well, you may be in Timbuktu when it takes place. Well, I don't know about that. But I know one thing. I'm going because I've met him. That's my absolute. How many like to be remembered today? Visible, invisible. May the Lord God move all across the world today as we set you in this solemn moment. Father, it's with great adoration and respect that we come into your wonderful august courts. We don't come today, Lord, looking for a sensation, an emotion. We thank you for those. We love to feel you. Oh, we love it so much when your presence comes. We love to feel it all around us. And we believe the right experience produces that. But we don't want to accept those experiences and not get the reality. Because I've been listening to the prophet in these same tapes over and over again the last several weeks. And I keep hearing him say these words. You could have a real Bible experience if it still don't do something there to your soul. So we could repent and be baptized in the correct formula of water baptism and 
jump and shout, which would be a Bible experience. But it must move down in that soul. Let that be our absolute Father. Lord God, I pray for the visible and invisible audience, men, women, boys, girls. Some setting your Father that's been saved for years, decades of their lives. Some, Lord, maybe not so long, but each of us, I pray you'd help us today. Lord, if there's a one here who the Holy Spirit is wanting to move from their spirit realm and step over into the realm of the soul and become their absolute. Lord God, would you grant it today? Oh, Lamb of God, in the name of Jesus, grant it to us, Father. We desire to be ready for the rapture. And if we go by the way of the grave, we desire to be ready to meet death. And we know we must have that absolute in our soul. For it is only the absolute in the soul of an individual that will raise them on that resurrection morning. It will not be quotes that will pull us out of the grave. It will not be playing a tape that will pull us out of the grave. But it's when you descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, our, our theophanies will be released. Our souls have done be, been moved, those of us that have passed. And our soul is living in the theophany. If not, the theophany will come to the earth to pick up the redeemed body. And it won't be that all over the world, everybody will get on, on a Voice of God website or a certain church website. And they'll be hearing a certain tape of Brother Branham. Or they won't be hooked up to a certain preacher. And that preacher will scream out. Every individual around the earth will hear that beckoning call of the Lord Jesus. Our theophanies will be released from the sixth dimension. They'll travel faster than light. They'll come to the earth and pick up the redeemed body. Because the absolute that was in our theophany matches the absolute in our souls. Lord, we're not waiting for a magic tape. Lord, a tape that they'll find one day that'll be the key to the rapture. The key to the rapture is the maker of the rapture. That's you, Lord. Hallelujah. We're not waiting for some certain tape to be released from Jeffersonville or a certain preacher in the message to preach this certain, certain sermon and all of a sudden rapturing faith to sweep the bride around the world. It'll simply be the reckoning. Glory to God. And the acknowledging of the voice, that same voice that called us out of sin is the same voice that will speak within our souls one day. Lord, as Brother Charlie Cox told me years and years ago, he and Brother Random talking about the rapture. Brother Random told him, Charlie, that same voice that called you when you were in sin is the same voice that will call you one day. Glory be to God. That same voice that called me and the rest of these saints, that same voice will call. Lord, if we, we've been buried in our bodies that went back to, to ashes and, and acids, glory to God, those acids will hear the voice of the Creator. Glory to God because we have an absolute. Lord Jesus, would you minister to your children today? I mean, I'd like to be remembered today. You just stand to your feet right now, Lord God. I want to be remembered, Lord. Lord, I want to be sure. 
I want to be sure, Lord. I want to be sure that what I have is perfect in itself. Unlimited in power. Glory to God. Friends, if God can reveal to those of you today that do have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but yet you're uncertain, can't you see why some of you still question your experience with God? You see the little woman that was talking to Brother Branham. Question answers, 1964, Brother Branham mentions about the interview with Sister Georgia Bruce. She said, Brother Branham, I have so many things about me. I know it's not right. And he says, a godly little woman. Brother Branham, she said, I've never been able to just put my foot at that place. Well, he said, Sister Georgie, I've watched your life by vision. I'm your pastor. If I seen anything there, I would tell you. But somehow Satan was making her doubt her experience, that absolute Brother Jim that it anchored. This is why some of you constantly are questioning where you are. And am I ready? Am I not ready? You're the preacher preaching about people not being saying, Oh God, oh God, oh God. Don't, don't let me miss it, Lord. Don't let me miss it. Sure, we check up. I do too when I hear a sermon that way. I do too. But still, when it's all settled, I know I'm born again. God wants you to be so sure that even when the preacher preaches a sermon like today, it does not make you question your absolute because it's perfect in itself. Glory to God. If you don't have that within you today, may it happen before you walk out the doors. Praise be to God. Let's just sing something together. Hey, let's just be real sensitive now before the Lord. I can pray for everyone. If I can lay hands on you, receive the Holy Ghost, sure, I can do that. But you know what? If you can just open up your being this morning, it's simply this simple right here. So if the Holy Ghost has baptized you in your spirit, he shows you things. He speaks to you. He helps you. He leads you in life and He guides you. But He's never yet moved into the inner sanctum. It's just this simple right here. You won't come and go no more. Come and go. Up and down. Backslide. On fire. No. Your soul will be sealed. It's perfect in itself. Unlimited in power. Ultimately an absolute. That's why, friends, our saints that have passed from us, they're able to look death in the face and laugh at it. <laughs> laugh at it because they are ready. Praise God. 
Just open up that door of your soul. Let him move in. For those of you who have already done that, maybe you just need a refreshing today in your spirit. How many needs a renewing from the presence of the Lord? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Sing something for us, Harry. Lord Jesus, we wait on you, Lord. We open every gate. We totally surrender, Father. Whether there's one or many standing here today who need to allow the King to enter the holy sanctum of their soul. May it happen right now, Lord. They simply surrender that something they've held on to for years. They just simply surrender all right now. And you take the latch into your hand and you open it. And you move inside. Glory to God. And you close the door of the soul. And there the absolute remains forever. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Just open your hearts now, friend. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you need a renewing, a refreshing, just let the Spirit of God come near you now. If you love Him with all your heart, but you really, you're just afraid that you've never accepted it in your soul, let that happen right now. Brother, do I need to go to the altar? Not necessarily. Well, do, do I need to come up and have a prayer line? Well, we could do that. But it's simply as simple as you opening that heart and letting the Lord Jesus just step right inside that soul. Will I shout? You may. Will I feel something? You may. But there's one thing for sure. You will be changed. You will be changed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Take me in to the holy of holies. Lord God. Take me in by the blood of the Lamb. Lord Jesus, take me into the holy of holies. Standing Touch here my lips. Lord God, may they receive from here you. I am. Granted, I pray, Father, in the name Take of Jesus. Take me into the Holy today, Lord. The holy. Receive ye the Holy God. Take me in by Hallelujah. the blood of the Lamb. That's it, Daniel. the outer courts into the holy place past the brazen altar 
Lord, I want to see your face. Crowds of people to enter to your praise. and I thirst for your righteousness. Take me
Worship him. Just sing one more before we go. Hallelujah. Sing it for us, Listen to the words now. We need you, Lord. When you need me, child. Right now. Let the bride sing it with all of her heart. I need you, Lord. I need you.
so glad when they say that. Yeah, we have a mighty God. Amen. If I didn't believe he could bring healing to our body, how could I believe he could change our body in a moment in the twinkling of an eye? Every time he performs a miracle or a divine healing, it's just a little bit of a deposit of the body change. Praise God. God bless you. And it's been good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. that this morning I'm just so thankful that I got to be here this morning parents ain't you thankful that your children got to hear this this morning mamas and daddies we're blessed people I just so appreciate the the Lord just leading our pastor him submitting and I'm just thankful to be here this morning I appreciate appreciate and love each of you we're going to make it amen let's just sing that as we go this morning I'm gonna make it He's already said 